Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I've been getting a lot of messages on DMs about some of the in-season shows we typically have and where did they go and uh, why are we running so many shows from the archive. So first of all, uh, in most podcast feeds, you're only going to see the last 300 episodes and most of our listeners have joined us in the last two years. That means you've missed out on a lot of great episodes in the first two years. So I'm bringing some of those back and re-airing those episodes. You may have also noticed the change in the branding that USA Football is no longer part of this. Uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, there were some changes at USA Football. I was fortunate enough to be able to take the podcast and move it forward on my own. And you're going to see some new sponsors here coming up soon. And we will be airing new episodes. We're going to have a relaunch here in November with new episodes. In the meantime, though, we're going to share some great things from our archives. And today is another great one from a great coach, a guy who I expect a lot from in his new position at Kentucky Wesleyan. That's head coach Craig Yeast. Coach Yeast played his college football at Kentucky and was on the first air raid offense installed there under Hal Mummy. When he graduated, Yeast was the all-time leader in career receptions in the history of the SEC. After being drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals in the fourth round of the 1999 draft, he spent time with the New York Jets, then finished his pro career with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He spent a year coaching high school football in Kentucky, then went on to be the receivers coach at Tiffin University from 2012 to 2014, and under his guidance, three receivers were named to the all-GLIAC team in his first season. He then went on to become a teacher and head football coach at Fremont Ross High School in Ohio, and from there he moved on to Franklin College and became the offensive coordinator. There, the Grizzlies produced the most prolific offense in NCAA Division III, during East's tenure as OC from 2016 to 2018. While there's heavy air raid influence in Coach's background, he balanced the offense in 2018 as the Grizzlies averaged 225 rushing and 333 yards passing. When this was recorded, the Grizzlies' offense led the Heartland Athletic Conference in yards per game, total passing, total offense, and scoring, and nationally, Franklin's offense finished top five in the NCAA Division III in total offense. They were first, passing offense first, and scoring offense fourth. Coach Yeast just completed his first year as the head coach in 2019, and I expect big things from Kentucky Wesley in the future because he's a bright teacher and coach and strong leader. Enjoy this podcast recorded after the Grizzlies 2017 season where they led the nation in total offense and passing. We continue with our segment with the NCAA leaders, and joining us today is a repeat performer on the podcast, the offensive coordinator at Franklin College, Coach Craig Yeast. Craig, it's great to have you here on the podcast again. Appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure to come on your show. Coach, you guys did an outstanding job in 2017. Uh, you led the nation in passing offense. You led the nation in, in total offense. We can find you spread across a number of, of categories in the top 25. And obviously, you know, as, as we talked about just before we got going here, that's a, a testament to your players. But, you know, I, I really believe also that that also is a testament to what you and your coaching staff are, are doing to put them in the right positions. Yeah, you know, we, we do. We really do. We had some, some excellent players. I know our quarterback was first team All-American and, we had several receivers and running backs and linemen that were, you know, all conference guys. But at the end of the day, you know, when you got good players, it makes the job 
for us as coaches easy, well, easier to do our jobs. And, you know, the, the guys that I work with on the offensive side of the ball, they do a phenomenal job of making my life easier while we're putting the game plans together and trying to put our players in position. So they're, they're a pleasure to work with. Well, Coach, let's talk about that game plan first and the process that goes into that. Because obviously, if you're going to be very effective in the passing game, you got to do a lot of things right. There's certainly a lot more moving parts than trying to run the football. So talk to us a little bit about the process for you and your coaches as you sit down at the beginning of a, a week and, and you start to look at what's going to be our game plan for this upcoming opponent. Well, I think the first thing that we do is we sit down as, as an offensive staff and we'll watch the game or two or three in its entirety and what we're looking for in terms of the pass game, the first thing we're looking for is, is what are the coverages that we're going to see more often than not. And and generally, I, I'm a firm believer that if, if a guy does one thing one year and then you go back and you watch one game and he does that and then another game he does that, generally a Tiger doesn't change his stripes. So we're looking at coverage. The next thing we're looking at is what is their – who, who are their guys that are their dynamic dudes in, in terms of the pass rush? Who do we got to block? Who do we got to make sure that we block that guy? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. everybody's got a guy. You got to block that guy. So we're looking for who's their best defensive lineman. And then from there, we're looking for matchups. I'm a, I'm a big matchup guy, even though I, I love looking at coverages and what the linebackers and the secondaries are doing what they're trying to take away. But I, I'm a firm believer that if I have a matchup or two that we can exploit, then we're going to look for those matchups and we're going to make sure within our offense, try to call those plays for those specific players to make plays against what we consider to be a matchup in our favor. And Coach, uh, some of that is, is a little bit more on the science and some of it is on the art and how do you determine, obviously, when you're looking at your opponent versus someone else, that this is a matchup we want to exploit, that we have an advantage there? What what are the things you see on film that tell you that? Well, one thing that we do is we like for our receivers on the outside to be tall. So one thing that I look at is, okay, what are the size of the corners? The The corners will tell me a lot. And then I look at when I'm looking at other teams, I don't necessarily look at what other teams are doing. I'm I'm more look at can this corner run? Can that corner run? How big is that corner? Or if it's a linebacker on one of my slot guys that can run and can run routes, when are they putting him in position to cover? You know, those are the things that we look at. I don't necessarily look to see what the other offensive teams are doing. I'm just looking at size. I'm looking at speed. I'm looking at situations to where they put a particular guy on like a linebacker or a safety that doesn't run as well on one of my slot receivers that I feel like runs excellent routes and has good speed. You know, those are the things that I look at that gives us the opportunity to take advantage of mismatches that we feel are in our favor. So it's not necessarily scheme-wise when it comes to matchups. It's mm-hmm. what do our guys do well that we think that they can't cover. Right. 
And coach, when you, you, you start to identify some of those things, obviously it's going to get to scheme. And you spend a lot of time, obviously, preparing in the spring, preparing, you know, in, in the summer during camp, you know, in, in the month of August and getting up to that first game and putting in your offense. So as you, you go from week to week, uh, are you looking to try to, to stay true to what was installed in those, you know, times preseason or are there tags, adjustments, you know, how, how do you balance that? the it's to be a schemer and say, Hey, we could beat them with this versus we need to do what we do. We are a team that we take about three or four days and we install our offense. And I'm honestly, uh, one thing that I tell our players, don't get bored with the simplicity of what we do offensively, but understand the minor details that you can take away from it every single day about knowing where you are. So when it comes to game planning and we don't really change a lot of what we do, what we do is what we do. So what I do is going into a game, the game plan for us, for the most part, really never changes. We're going to do what we do. We're going to take advantage of matchups. Like I said, within our scheme. Now, every now and again, we'll take a play and we'll add, just a slight variation or a tag or two. But for the most part, Keith, we don't deviate from what we do offensively. And I do believe that as a result of that, that's what, that is what makes us even more effective when it comes to running our offense because our players know exactly what they're supposed to be doing against man, against any kind of zone. They know exactly where they're supposed to be because they're used to doing the same thing versus a, a ton of different looks over and over and over and over. And I believe that gives us the advantage, and that makes us very efficient offensively. Coach, when you look at, at your concepts and how you build those, and there's all kinds of different ways that people do that today, what's your approach for you know attacking – a defense that maybe shows multiple coverage, you know, or, or disguises their coverage well. Are you a team that looks at full field packages? Are you trying to package one thing on one side to beat this coverage with another on the other side, et cetera? Where do you guys exist in, in that realm? Well, we kind of do a couple of different things. Like for our quick game passing, all of our quick game passing is like double concept plays. So if I call a particular concept on one side, say the right side, then the back side, which would be the left side, always has something different. And the reason why I do it that way is because I may call a play specifically for man coverage on the front side, but if the defense is dictating that they're definitely playing zone, that concept on the back side is usually a man or zone beater specifically. And our quarterbacks are taught, hey, If you come up to the line of scrimmage, you look left, middle, right, short, left, middle, right, deep. You don't like what you got on one side. You always got the other concept on the other, on the left or the back side or whatever people want to call it. When we do in our dropbacks, you know, most of our dropbacks, well, all of our dropbacks are fulfilled concepts. We have particular reads that carry us from one side of the formation to the other, and it's all based on every play that we call is a man and a zone beater. 
So it's all really predicated on if it's zone, this is what we're looking for right away. All right. If it's man, take that right away because you should have that matchup. And that's what we're looking for if they play man. But if they play zone, take what the defense gives you. I'm a big, big stickler on teaching our quarterbacks. Don't be greedy. See what you see. Take what they give you. Move the chains. Be efficient. And let's move the ball down the field. When it's time for the big play, the big play will come. And all of our concepts, for the most part, especially in the drop back and in the in the play action, give us the opportunity to take shots if we get the right coverage, uh, especially if we get manned, because we feel like we have better matchups on the perimeter. Procedurally, from from his uh, I guess progression, you know that perspective. What is it that takes him to that shot? How is he able to know? I'm going to have a guy open here and I can throw the ball deep and, and we have an explosive play. Okay. Like for example, if we're running our vertical pass game, like we call all go, well, we have basically a man and a zone concept within that concept. You know, our players are taught, okay, if it's zone coverage, then the guys that are for the most part going to be in play here are the slots in the back. If it's man coverage, all right, now I want you to look outside and I want you to choose your best matchup. Now, sometimes that best matchup is on the outside and sometimes to take the shot on all verticals is that matchup because we may have a safety or a linebacker on a slot. Mm -hmm. So really it's all about understanding what the play is, what the concept is, how many safeties do we have on top? Do we have two safeties? Do we have one safety? Do we have zero safeties? Are the corners in press? Are the corners playing off? Wait a minute. The corner's off, but there's one safety back. I mean, it's just all about understanding what concept we're running, what are they giving us defensively, and taking advantage of the opportunity when it presents itself. So that's pretty much where we are. I mean, it. That's the way I teach our quarterbacks. I mean, we I get, try to get them in the room, and, you know, I make them get on the board, and you got to tell me what this coverage is. Or we'll turn the film on, and I say, okay, tell me what the coverage is. Hey, Coach, this looks like cover four. All right, so I'll let the play run. Okay, it started out cover four. Now what is it? Yeah, Coach, they rolled a cover three. Okay, good. That's what I wanted you to be able to see. And those are the type of things that, you know, I get on the board and, in the classroom and teach our quarterbacks and it's all concept based. And once they understand the coverage, then they can understand where they're supposed to go with the football within the concept of the play. Coach, I I know with the way you teach these guys, you probably got a room full of quarterbacks who can (laughs) give you that information, who are great on the board, who are great in film. What makes that guy, you know, he had an all American this year. What is it that makes that guy be able to take that from all your teaching in the classroom and then really go out and execute at a high level on the field. Obviously, some of that is, is his talent, but uh, what's the blend of, of the mental side versus the physical side, and what do you need to do to get the two functioning at a high level out on the field, especially on game day? Well, the first thing is it's the preparation. All right, so first things we come in, we sit down, we go over coverages, we go over different calls that 
what do you like for this week? What do you don't? What do you not like? Based on the coverage that we're seeing, based on the type of defense that we're playing, it may be a single high safety cover team. It may be a two high. They might be a blitz team, high blitz. We're looking at all of those things first. Then in practice, it's all about the repetitions. So what I try to do in practice is I try to give our quarterbacks within each practice multiple different looks for the same plays. For example, all right, so generally we get about three days of real preparation during the season. All right, so we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which Monday we don't do a ton. So we got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday where we get reps. What I do is I design so many plays each day that is within our offense. And we don't deviate from it on a weekly basis. We do the same thing. So on Tuesdays, we may have a menu of plays, whether it be run game or pass game. So we're talking particularly pass game. So we may have four concepts that we're running for the most part in that whole practice. So what that gives me an opportunity to do is script our plays in a manner where our quarterbacks have ran that play about 10 times in practice, sometimes maybe more. But in those 10 reps that he gets, he may have four different looks that he has seen versus maybe three different zone coverages that we are not sure exactly which one they're going to play because the percentage of how they play a coverage is pretty close. And then he'll get some man looks out of that. Maybe it be two man, maybe it be zero man, maybe it be single high man. Uh, so we give them multiple different looks. So then when we go back and practice uh, and watch the film, excuse me, and we can talk about, okay, so I'll ask questions like, why didn't you throw it to this guy? It's zone coverage. He's open. Why didn't you throw it? And then I want to hear him tell me, well, I saw the linebacker sitting right there, and he took one step, so I felt like I could throw the dig in behind it. Okay, that's all I wanted to hear. You know, I want to make sure that even though he's taking reps, I can ask questions, and the questions and the answers I get are educated answers about what we're doing offensively based on the look that he sees. So those repetitions, those meetings, and that communication – those are the things that gives our quarterbacks and myself the opportunity to communicate well and have a clear understanding of, of what we're doing offensively. And it makes us very, very efficient for what we do out on the field. So when it comes to Saturday, you know, it's, they feel, he always feels like it's, Coach, this is easy because they're just giving us the same look. We're, we're looking at the same thing. I said, okay, so this is what they're doing. Now, if they come back and they start giving us this, then we'll adjust, and then you know you'll have the other guys open. He's like, so, And that's how we do it, and, that, and it works for us. Coaching the practice segments you put together, you know, what, what do you guys maybe do that's a little bit unique, that's different, or is it? hey, we kind of do it like everybody else in America does it? Well, I don't think we do anything special. I think I kind of maybe spoke about this last year. I can't remember, but we do this thing in practice where we call it, it's our one-minute offense. And depending on the day, 
Sometimes, some days it's a five minute period and some days it is a 10 minute period. And what this does is it gives me an opportunity to work the ones, the twos and the threes, especially when it's a 10 minute period. Based on that day, Keith, we have so many concepts that we run for that day. And in one minute offense, the ball moves from the 20 to the 40 to the other 40, and then to the 20. So each quarterback gets four reps, all right? And the ball is spotted where the ball lies. So if you catch the ball on the right hash, they keep it on the right hash. So what we're doing in this drill is we're teaching our entire offense to play as run, and everybody sprints to the ball, okay? And not only that, what I think is kind of unique for us I don't call the plays for this particular drill. What I do is I tell our quarterbacks, these are the plays that you have for the day. These are the plays that you call. Now you go out there and you execute them. And at the line of scrimmage, they are calling plays. That is another thing that I feel like we do that allows our quarterbacks to take some ownership into what they're doing offensively. So every quarterback gets some reps. All three groups get reps. We're going extremely fast. All I'm doing on the side is in a loud voice saying, hey, tempo, tempo, tempo. That's all I'm preaching. Tempo. Hey, we're moving too slow. Tempo. Speed it up. Faster. Tempo. That's all I do. As they're doing that, as soon as they come off and the next quarterback goes on, I can communicate quickly. And what it does is for us, it simulates game situation for our quarterbacks. It simulates game communication between the quarterbacks and myself in between series. And it also gives them ownership into, I know what I'm looking at. Well, our defense is playing cover three every time. So, out of these plays, I'm calling this. Or they're playing cover four, so I'm calling this. They were playing a lot of man. and In, in three plays, they played man, so this is why I call these things. Okay, good. So that's a part of the teaching uh, that we do here at Franklin, and, and it's something that works for us, and it helps us on Saturdays. Coach, I really like that concept, that drill. Is, is that, as I understand it, it seems like you're running that one against your own defense. You guys are not running against the scout. Not against the scout. It's against our defense. It's good on good, and we are going with extremely fast tempo. And it not only does it help us offensively, it helps our defense because they got to hurry up and get lined up because we're going fast. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as the as soon as the ball is snapped, the ball is completed, or we we run the ball. It doesn't matter if they stop us for two yards and the ball is on the right hash. We are sprinting. 20 yards and we're lining up on the hash and when the whistle blows we are snapping the football so everybody's got to get lined up quarterback's got to faint everybody's got to get lined up quickly defense got to get lined up if they're not lined up we're snapping the football yeah that's a great concept and i you know i've i've done that not like that in that drill but a lot of times for me it was you know our our two-minute drill on uh you know we typically would do it on Thursdays after maybe the first couple times we installed it I would turn that over to the quarterbacks and I think mm-hmm. what it allowed me to see too was in what they're calling what are they most comfortable doing and you know I think you had a great feel with with your number 1 guy mm-hmm. but two and I love that you guys get three involved 
what do they feel most mm-hmm. comfortable with? Because I think it kind of helps you if that situation comes up that now, you know, you can move in a direction that he's going to be comfortable in there too because you know the things he likes. Absolutely, because, you know, I tell our coaching staff all the time, with our starting quarterback, we can run anything in our offense because he's comfortable with everything because he's seen it, he's done it, he understands it. With our second guy, there's not a ton of drop-off in terms of understanding what to do, where to go, but there's a comfort level with me saying I feel better by watching him and having work with him that maybe I won't call this, but I might be able to call some quarterback runs a little bit more with him because he's a little bit more athletic. And then, you know, vice versa with the with the threes and the fours moving forward. So it, it is. It's it's a great drill for us. It gives us an opportunity to to really develop our guys and find out what they can and what they cannot do. And and it's just a it's just a really, really good drill. Coach, let me ask you this is a tough question. A little bit different type of question, but if, if Coach Leonard said, Hey, you know, I want you to really just work on this one concept today, and let's say this is day one of, of camp. I want you to work on your best concept, Coach, and you're, that's mm-hmm. all you're going to run today. What's that play for you guys? <laughs> well, that play would be uh, that would be our mesh play. We call it 92 here, and, and I'm a firm believer that it doesn't matter if it's man or if it's zone. I'm going to find somebody that's going to be open on that play. And just to give you an idea, I was joking around one time with our players, and I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. In one of our games this year, I don't know which one, I said, I'm going to have one drive, and I'm going to call all pass plays, and I'm going to call it 92. I'm going to call it out a different formation. The beauty of that play is if I want to run it out of no backs, I can run it. If I want to run it out of 10 personnel, I can run it. If I want to run it out of 20 personnel, I can run it. If I want to run it out of 21 personnel or 22 personnel, we can run that play. So just about every single formation, you know, that you could think of, we can run that play. They thought I was crazy when I said that. So one of our games, I called that play for six straight times in six different formations, and we completed it every time, and we ended up scoring a touchdown. So if it was anything, it would be 92. It would be our mesh concept. And I know, Coach, you would probably agree that the key to that, the key to to being able to be successful with that out of all those different formations and different looks is your guys understand probably deeply the fundamentals that go along with that play. They're not out there necessarily just running the lines like robots. They understand how those things work (laughs) versus all the different things that that they might see uh, from the defense. Absolutely. I I can tell you this when I first introduced the concept and how we were going to run it and the way I wanted it ran, uh, we were robots. We didn't understand it. And, and, uh, you know, it wasn't until getting in practice and getting it on film a little bit better and understanding saying, Hey, if you keep running right there, you're going to run it right into that linebacker and he's going to take you out. So sit in the hole. Why are you sitting right there? It's man coverage. Don't you see the other guy following the other guy, the guys following you chasing, so mesh and climb or quarterback throws a corner on that. So that is the one drill in practice every day. We take five minutes and that's it. 
because I don't feel like we need to work on it more than five minutes, but five minutes every single day in practice, we work on it and we do it out of like, like in our three days, day one, it'll be all two back formations. The second day, it'll be all 10 personnel and no back formations. And then on uh, the third day, we run it out of all of those formations, but we go so quick because everybody gets an opportunity to get reps at it because we have every quarterback that's throwing the football. So everybody's catching the ball in that drill. So as soon as the first group goes, the quarterbacks are rotating. The next group is stepping up based on the formation and the ball is snapped and we're going. So it's, it's the only drill that we do every day in practice. Uh, I enjoy the concept. Coach, as I think about it, that I probably knew the answer before you, you know, you gave it being a Kentucky Wildcat. That that has to be your answer, I think, right? You're gonna run the match. Well that's because we're talk <laughs> that's because we're talking about passing. We ain't talking about running the football, so I don't have any choice. You're not giving me any choice, Keith. <laughs> Coach, but with, yeah, you you are right. <laughs> with uh with RPO obviously becoming a big part of offensive football, how how much does that play a part in your offense? We had about four different RPO concepts. I I, I just kind of felt like, based on the personnel that we had and the the way our quarterback runs RPOs, I just didn't think in terms of the run action. You know, he's more of a gunslinger, so more often than not, when he's not supposed to throw it, he was going to throw it. So we weren't necessarily an unbelievably high-level RPO team. However, we were very efficient with our RPOs this year. So we only had about four concepts, and they worked for us. We had two of them off of one off of inside zone, one off of mid zone, one off of power, and one off of pin and pull. Coach, with you know those, those coming into your offense, and I'm not sure how, how many years you've done that now, has it changed – any of your your mentality as a play caller, knowing that sometimes you could call a play that is either going to be a run or a pass? No, it doesn't change my mentality at all. For me, RPOs is is one of those things that I am, when I'm talking about trying to put points on the board, I'm always looking for matchups. So I go into some games saying I don't like any of the matchups that we have for RPOs, so I might not call them. And then I might come into a game and say, every time we put the ball in the belly, watch the linebackers. They are flying to the line of scrimmage. They are flying downhill. Well, that to me tells me that we need to RPO them. So there's been some games where I didn't, I didn't call one RPO the whole game. And then there were other games where I might have called eight or nine maybe 10 RPOs for that game. It just, for me, it just depends on what that defense is presenting. There were games where there, I remember one particular game where I went into the game saying, we're not going to run any RPOs because I just don't like the matchup. Mm-hmm. And then for a second half adjustment, we ended up running an RPO off a of zone because we felt like it was a easier matchup for us to lock our backside tackle on and not have our quarterback read the defensive end for zone read and just RPO the linebacker. And it turned out to be an easy fix for us. And 
it was actually that's the beauty of what we do offensively because it's it's you know it's so uniform it's it's so it's steady it's consistent you know our quarterback came in and said coach can we just lock the backside tackle on and let me RPO the linebacker the backside linebacker because I'm not getting a good read off of this defensive end because I'm not exactly sure what he's doing. He's kind of in between. So one time I gave it and he tackled me. One time I should have kept, I mean, one time I kept it, I should have gave it. And and one time I gave it and I should have kept it. So I'm kind of confused by it. So can we just RPO the linebacker and lock him on? Absolutely. That's communication. So we made that and we ended up scoring two touchdowns off RPO. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that's just, just a simple communication. So I like RPOs. I think you got to have, I, I don't believe that you run them every single play. I know some people that's, that's like their bread and butter. They RPO everything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't RPO everything, you know, a few plays here and there. Coach, obviously uh, in 2017, you were able to bring your offense to the top. Number one passing offense, number one in total offense. It's easy to say, well, we got it going. Everything's working. But, you know, the the best coaches out there look and see, uh, you know, what's next? How does it fit into what I'm doing? Where where maybe do we need to evolve with personnel, et cetera? So for you, what types of things are, are you looking at as you approach 2018? Well, if, if you don't mind, let me go backwards just a little bit. You talk, we had the number one total offense in the nation. And, and I think the reason why we did was because we made a very significant point of interest emphasis uh, to run the football. The previous year, we didn't even have a thousand yards rushing. We probably rushed for about eighty-six yards a game, and a lot of two-yard games, a lot of zero-yard games, a lot of five here, two here, minus two here. So this year. There was an emphasis with the offensive line, with the running backs, with the receivers on the outside blocking to run the football. And because of that, I think we ended up, you know, we were still 111th in the nation, but we ran, we ran for 160 yards a game. By my mm-hmm. calculation, that's, that's double the amount of yards that we had the year before. So going into this year, we're, we're, we're losing some talent. So, my biggest point of emphasis is coming into the spring and finding out who's going to be my starting quarterback because there's going to be a little competition there, which is is good. I like it. And who are going to be the guys that got a little bit of playing time last year or got a little bit of playing time the last couple years? and Who is going to step up to the plate and make plays? And I think that's going to be our biggest point of emphasis because – they all know the offense. The offense is not going to change. Now, I am a person as a coordinator that some of the things that we did well this year, maybe in the passing game, we may not be able to do as well, but there may be some other things in the passing game that we do well that we didn't necessarily do well this year. So I'm interested to go in personnel-wise, understanding what we have that is coming back, the the class that we're recruiting right now is to see who we bring in and just see who steps up and see who's going to be our playmakers and then go from there, not changing the integrity of what we do, but just finding out who our playmakers are. And once we find out who our playmakers are, I'll be able to easily put to plan a plan together 
to see if we can make our offense go again. Coach, I, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast again and, and sharing your thoughts on offensive football. You know, certainly would like to uh, wish you guys the best of luck in 2018 and, and keep things moving forward. All right, Keith, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate your support. Please follow all we're doing on Twitter, at Coach K Grabowski, as well as check out our new website, coachingcoordinator.com. As I mentioned in the introduction, new episodes, new sponsors coming soon in November, and uh, a lot of great things planned for the podcast. So stay tuned and stay listening. Good luck this weekend.